E-commerce expansion myths blasted. Successful cross-border expansion help. Listen to the show to hear how one UK company is helping e-commerce sellers successfully expand into Europe and double their profits. Hosted by Andy Hooper of Global E-commerce Experts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast. Uh, my name is Andy from Global E-commerce Experts. And you're listening to the e-commerce expander secrets podcast with me andy hooper your host and today i've got an amazing guest i'm really really excited to bring on uh stephen pope is joining me he's the founder of my amazon guy hey guys thanks for having me on <laughs> there you go how are we doing i'm doing fantastic better than i deserve as dave ramsey would always say indeed fantastic so so stephen uh, is stephen isn't he I'm, i've got yeah. some Steve somewhere else, but I'm going I'm to stick with Stephen because that's what uh, you've put on there. So uh, my, mom, my mom calls me Steve. So, oh, well, there we go. Okay. Uh, in fact, I, I've got your bio here, but actually, I'm going to ask you a couple of bits about it before we, okay. as you see fit, sir. I'm going to reverse, I'm just going to reverse it because I quite like that. So, um, the first bit I've got here is you started your career in TV as a reporter in Idaho. So, uh, I'm going to start right there. But before we do that, just in 20 seconds, give me who you are, what you do and uh, who you support. So I'm the founder of my Amazon guy, and we are a 60 person agency based out of the United States, and we help people grow sales on Amazon, full service seller central agency, grow traffic and sales and conversion. Perfect. Uh, and I first came across one of your videos. Here's my uh, disclaimer here. And I can't remember what I was looking for, uh, but clicked it onto your channel. If you um, Google pretty much any Amazon problem, I have a video on it. So that helps <laughs> 650 videos, troubleshooting any Amazon problem, literally any. Fantastic. So I came across your um, your opening video. I, I'm sure there's a, a, a professional title for that. Uh, but anyway, uh, and it came across and it said, there's two things you need to know about running an Amazon store, traffic and conversion. And that was it. It was just simple and it was easy. I put a lot of thought into that one. Um, so I, I do think that all things can be simplified down to those two things. If you're not doing one of those two things, it's not worth doing. Um, and so when we talk about traffic, it's everything from search engine optimization, which is highly underrated, and pay-per-click advertising. And then on the conversion side, it's data management catalog issues galore, right? Cause like on Amazon, that's just nuts right now. Mm -hmm. And then things like design and merchandising. So I think every one of those things falls into one of those two buckets. Brilliant. And we're going to come. So what we're going to do is we're going to do full circle now, because what I want to do is touch on here in your bio, it says started your career as a TV reporter in Idaho. So what I want to know is one, what you, one, how did you get away from that? And secondly, how did you get to that in the first place? Was that I, okay. So, so I, my father is a weatherman and he was a weatherman on the Salt Lake market for, you know, my entire life. And, and so I, I kind of wanted to follow my father's footsteps just a tiny bit. Right. Um, quite frankly, you know, societal comment. Uh, I think, I think society should get back to like the day and age when your father was a blacksmith, you're a blacksmith, you get good at blacksmithing and that's what you do since, you know, age five. I think we should get back to that just a little bit, but I'll sidestep the rest of the societal uh, analysis. Uh, so I was a television reporter for a couple of years, went to school for it, loved being a reporter. 
hated working for the news industry. And I, I was right in the 2008 crash. Uh, I was the last person hired at my TV station. And then when I left that TV station two years later, uh, it literally uh, was sold the week I left. And so I, I realized pretty early on in my career, I ended up going up to Wisconsin for like a month or two. And then I was like, you know what? I'm in the middle of a blizzard. It's the worst weather event Wisconsin had experienced in like 10 years. Everybody else is at home in their pajamas. And I'm out here doing a live weather hit with my hair freezing over. I missed my, my mic cue to go on the air. So I looked like an idiot on live television. And I felt like an idiot too. And so a lot of people listening to this can resonate with that kind of framework, right? Like when you're when you're sitting at home and you're like, or, or no, rather you're at work, right? Like you're in this corporate grind and you're like, why am I not at home with my kids right now? And like growing my business and being an entrepreneur. And so that was really the spirit that led me into Amazon. I went back to school, picked up an MBA. It took me a while to, to really make my journey uh, to where I am today. And there's nothing wrong with that at all, right? A lot of people... They think, man, I wish I could go faster. And and speed matters. It's helpful. You get to the right location at the right time. You're in good shape and whatnot. But you have to take a step back sometimes and realize that your journey is personal, and you got to do what you got to do for your own um, for your own personal needs and your own family and where you are. So I took uh, I took about you know six years uh, corporate side uh, before I started the agency. Um, did everything from women's plus size clothing to kitchen equipment. Gold and silver coins, by the way, that's the easiest thing ever to sell is gold and silver coins. And, and you know, even did telecom. So I've sold pretty much anything. I started the agency uh, after side hustle consulting and, and the demand for Amazon specifically was just really severe. Um, and, and so I'm a well-rounder e-commerce guy, but I became the Amazon guy when, uh, when my wife said, you know, if you're going to start an agency, you got to come up with a name. And I said, oh, okay, sure. She's like, how do people normally introduce you? And I said, I don't know. They just say, go talk to my Amazon guy. And that's how it happened. And so now we're 60 people strong, 160 full service accounts, and we do everything we can to grow sales for people on Amazon. Fantastic. Fantastic. So with the, with the weather, with the, uh, the weather, the, the news reporting, what, what would you think would be the, the number one thing that you learned over that sort of two year period? What was it that, that sort of stuck out in your mind that, you know, you, you sort of took away as your sort of number one thing you learned other than getting cold stood outside? <laughs> I'd say the number one most important thing I learned from being a television reporter was how to ask questions. Communication is something that's extremely important. I, I, did, I did debate in college, right? I was on the national college debate circuit. Uh, you know, my claim to fame is I beat Harvard's B team in a national debate tournament. And, and so if I had to go back to school to learn something new, it wasn't to how to win an argument. I think, I think arguments, you know, I could win an argument, right? Like you could say, tell me the sun's blue and I could, you know, I could go pro or con right now. Here we go. But, but I think persuasion is such a more valuable business asset that I lack as an individual. So I've been chasing that ever since. And, and sometimes asking questions as a reporter led to uh, fact finding that allowed me in business to get ahead. Just simply asking the right question gets to the heart of a business challenge, whether it's your employee, whether it's a negotiation, 
whether you're buying or selling an item or a business, knowing which question to ask when and which order, it's a huge skill that I picked up as a television reporter. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I used to do a lot of uh, coaching, sport coaching. It's very it's a questioning skill. Absolutely. It's one of the key parts of understanding where people are at and what they do. So I want to just go back. So we, we did the, uh, or you, we, not we, you uh, did the television reporting. I'll do the French we for you. <laughs> the royal we. And, you know, it then says you then went on to do the e-commerce director. So you then, which you were just touching on there, where you were selling lots of different things. How did that, you, you said you did an MBA in, in, in between that. What did you do the MBA in? Just a run-of-the-mill uh, master's in business administration. Uh, got it through Western Governors University, which is an online competency-based school. It's a state university in like seven states or something like that. Um, but it was created by 19 governors in the West to revamp the education model. So anybody out there looking for an MBA, I definitely recommend that program. It's way more affordable than your typical brick and mortar, uh, and it's competency-based. So if you already know some of the material, you can book through it. And, and so you know, in, in all fairness and honesty, I don't think people – uh, learn a lot from their MBAs. I think I think it's more of a, a certificate of what you understand. So that's why a lot of people do business before they get their MBA, right? And and so in any case, I think uh, I think entrepreneurs uh, as they go about trying to figure out like where to put their stake or their claim, it's it really just depends on what their goals are and their mission, um, and also how they take their action. So I'm a man of action. And, and the skill that I possess that I think that, you know, my business chops recognize is the ability to iterate. And so a lot of people want to be like measure twice, cut once. I'm like, nope, cut 20 times and, and just do 20 mini cuts. If you can improve a process by 14%, then you should go do it 14% at a time. Right. And that's, that's not an arbitrary percentage, by the way. That's, well, I was going to say, where, where, why 14%? Where, where did you get the 14% from? What's that? What does that sort of relate to? Anything less than that, it's not worth doing. And anything more than that, then you probably have to um, put a lot more effort into it. And, and so what I have found is that if you just continually make 14% improvements, you, you're, you're going you're gonna, to you know, use the rule of three, if you will. Every three actions you take, one's going to flop. The second is going to do okay. And the third is going to be the exceptional one that pays for everything else you do. And so taking lots and lots of action um, is not a shotgun approach. It's more about the action dictating the strategy. And as you take the action, the strategy becomes apparent. Then you iterate from there. And so just iteration from a multivariable tree, if you will, leads to a faster business outcome. It requires a lot of agility. It can feel like chaos at times. Uh, but in the e-commerce world, uh, that agility has come in quite handy. You make one little change on your website. You make one change to your title of a product on Amazon. Uh, you tweak the packaging. You tweak the main image. Whatever it might be, it might only take you an hour or two hours to accomplish that 14% improvement versus, you know, trying to do everything perfect and from the get-go, that could be, you know, a multi-week, multi-month project in comparison. I mean, well, I, I'm, I'm sort of a totally with you there, that sort of 80-20 rule, how you, you know, if you always wait for 100%, you're never going to be there, be there. So if you can get it 80% and improve the 20% as you go, why not? Like, it, you have to, in order to take action, get things, I totally aligned there. 
you know, you've got to take action and make stuff happen in e-commerce when the world is changing incredibly fast around you you have to do that you don't have any other choice i mean take like, take crypto coin for an example right like yeah just this past weekend crypto coins had like a 20 percent swing right and like the big meme coin right now is safe moon and so i've already lost half your audience but the other half are like yeah i bought some safe moon already and let's ride it to the moon um but in any case uh, you know, the, the, the speed at which things are going, the velocities that we're increasing is, and I think cryptocurrency is a great example of how fast society is moving. We're all heading in the same direction somewhat, but it's going nuts. Yeah. So how did you get, so you, you did your MBA and then you, then you went into the e-commerce side. What made you switch into the e-commerce? Was there a, you know, something happened that you thought this looks pretty exciting. I want to get into this. What is it that made you sort of get excited about it? When, when I was a TV reporter, I was selling stuff on eBay. The first thing I ever sold on eBay was uh, a Magic the Gathering card. So going super nerdy here. And, yeah. and it was a Sliver Queen from the Stronghold Edition. So it was like a $20 card. And I sold it when I was 12 years old on eBay. And over the years, I had accumulated massive collection of Magic the Gathering cards. And well, it turns out those cards drastically increased in value. And so as a television reporter, what most people don't know is that it's actually a rather unpaid, underpaid uh, vertical. Well, it's a guild. So for all the top jobs in the market that get paid six figures, there's another, you know, 95% of the reporters that don't get paid anywhere close to that. So like my first reporter job, I was making under 20,000 USD per year. And that was like a pay cut because I was making more money in the call center in college than when I went to get my actual first time job as a television reporter. So some perspective there. So it forced me as an entrepreneur, right? Like if you read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when they first bring in the kids, they don't even pay them. Or, well, they start to pay them, I think it was like 10 cents an hour, something ridiculous, right? Yeah. And so they go to complain to Rich Dad and Rich Dad's like, fine, I'm taking your salary away. And the kids were like, ah, rabble, 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 right? Well, it wasn't even like two weeks later that they they realized that now that they didn't have a salary, they had to think about how to make money in the store and they came up with a great business plan, yada, yada. Well, the same thing happened to me. Um, and, and, I, and I saw this giant need for, for selling stuff on eBay um, and gained some skills there. And of course, eBay was, you know, the first iteration of marketplaces and Amazon came to town and said, you know, we're going to we're not going to make it an auction house. We're going to make it a marketplace and we're going to curate the detail pages. And so um, I, I gained a lot of marketplace experience. Um, I, I've been a part of the beta advertising for Amazon when it first came out. I used to sell rice cookers for two cents a click on Amazon. Um, and I've got a lot of behind the scenes like work with Amazon when they were, you know, when you actually had like an account manager and all that good stuff. Today, it's never been harder to sell on Amazon. Uh, it's never been more rewarding, uh, but it's also never been harder. Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Uh, that's great. I mean, it's the 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 eBay thing. I totally <laughs> recollect as well. You flipping stuff on eBay as you as you go through. You know, what can what have I got that I can sell? I I didn't, I didn't have anything of any value. Definitely not. So so then you so you you're you're in the e-commerce world. You're already uh, in e-commerce. You're you're developing and building up and nurturing those skills. Um, and you, you've obviously done that for a significant time. It was like 10 years I've got down here. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's great. So what, what made you think, you're yeah, right, I'm going to go this alone now. I'm going to you know, 
start down that journey? Was it the content? Was it the, what was it that got you over the, to that next level almost to set up your own? So my advice to the listeners is not what happened to me, but here's my advice first. <laughs> I hustle Amazon for a year before you go full-time. You need to be able to replace your income through side hustling. So when everybody else is partying on the weekends, you need to be working your butt off and getting it done, right? So that's the advice. What happened to me was, is I worked for four failed startups. Everywhere I went, I made an impact. I had a positive impact. I grew the sales, but something else in the business was dysfunctional. As one case example, I used to work for a company called Nisbets, which may sound familiar for those in the UK audience, they're the number one restaurant equipment company. Well, Nisbets, they launched a, a warehouse in Baltimore, Maryland, and they bought a $5 million warehouse. They then took all of the same um, products, materials that they sold in the UK, flipped them over to the States and said, hey, I think this will work. Well, the problem was, is they didn't really understand how much more competitive the US market was. They, uh, they printed out some brochures and some catalogs and sent them everywhere. And like literally no sales came in the door. Uh, this was when I was then hired and I said, you know what, guys, your entire policy, your entire strategy is inept and we need to go focus on Amazon. We need to focus on eBay. And I immediately went and did that. Now I grew, I grew sales on those platforms by more than 300% in less than 90 days. And the company still went under because the warehouse bill was so expensive <laughs> They just folded yep. and decided, you know what, we'll go focus on the UK and, and let the US be the US. And so those are the kinds of things that I experienced early in my career. Every time I went to a failed startup, I would be the, you know, the hotshot kid who knew all the answers. I felt like I did anyway. And yeah. then I would go grow sales on my channels. But because the other dysfunctional parts of the business would collapse, I, I, I basically was like four failed startups in less than four years. And so uh, along the way, though, I built great relationships. Uh, I would have vice presidents at one company hired me for a side project at their next company, wherever they went. And I ended up having, you know, side hustle consulting over the years. And then one day I worked for another failed startup uh, and they laid me off. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of working for failed startups. They don't have, uh, you know, the resolve to get through and to press forward. And I'm going to go do this for myself. And at that particular junction in time, I had eight side hustle consulting arrangements. And it was like straight up like, you know, pay me up front, retainer, lawyer model. And, and then I would go out and grow their sales. And so I was like, you know, I'm just going to post on LinkedIn. Hey, you know, I'm going to do some consulting full time. You know, let me know if you need anything. And then less than 48 hours after that post, I landed my first um, large contract signed a signed that contract and created an agency overnight and it it wasn't even 2 weeks after that that I had to hire my first assistant the demand was so overwhelming uh and then the rest is history like we just rapidly just doubled the business every couple weeks just consistently um and so what i would say to those listening if you're looking to start an agency side hustle consult first get 6 to 8 clients then go full time if you're looking to start an Amazon business side hustle for one year, get through a full Christmas and product development cycle, and then see where your chips lie following that. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I, I interviewed someone on a podcast a little while ago who actually has been going four years as a side hustle uh, and is now leaving as a full-time. He, he never quite took that leap of faith, and now he's like, right now, I'm in. Like, I've waited too long. 
uh, which I think is great. Uh, he probably uh, had a really good full-time job that allowed him to, you know, put in bare minimum effort. That, that was exactly it. It was too comfortable on both sides almost. Yeah. Um, so there we go. And I think that that is great advice there about the agency as well. You know, you side hustle, get those going, and then off you go. And it was great to hear that. So you, you started off with pretty much one person almost straight away. You say you're up to 60 now. How long has the agency been going? So we're, we're coming up on three official years as of uh, this month. And, uh, you know, I've done side hustle consulting for, you know, about seven or eight years now. And, and so it's been a very rapid growth. Uh, you know, on, on YouTube, we crossed, I think it was like 1.4 million views on our channel um, the other day. Um, and, and so we're, we're well known in the space for, for fixing Amazon challenges, speaking to the heart of the issue. And, and since I'm a practitioner, um, I don't just talk about the theory. I also talk about like the tactical, like here's how to actually fix this issue and let me demonstrate it live. Um, I do a live Q and a every Friday at noon, Eastern standard time. And you can literally come in and ask me any Amazon question. And I'll, I'll give you my best answer to that. And on occasion, somebody will come in and ask me something I don't know, but I, you know, I kind of feel like I'm a walking encyclopedia of Amazon at this point. So, so it doesn't scare me to take any Amazon question. Well, the thing is, if, if you can't answer it, you can always go away and find out and come back. Like and that's exactly what happens, right? So like somebody asked me, how do you find the search terms of your competitors on the backend search term field? And I was like, I don't know that's possible. Is that possible, guys? And I got like eight emails and everybody's like, yeah, Zonguru has the tool for this. And I was like, haven't even heard of Zonguru. So I go, I, 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 yeah. so BRB, go do a little quick uh, demo. Decided to record a 40 minute video of me just like fumbling through their platform. And the CEO of, of Zonguru, John Tilly, he, he sees me, he sees my video and he's like, hey, Steven, this was really kind of terrifying to watch you do a cold review of my platform. Really glad you did here. You know, here's about five minutes of what I think you could have you know, done a little better or missed. And so I was like, no problem. So I, I ended up bringing John on my podcast because I thought he was such a great sport about it. And, and to my knowledge, that is the only tool on the market that can currently see uh, keywords in a search term field of your competitors. Now, just to delineate a tiny bit, you can see anybody's front-facing keywords uh, in the alt text of a photo and stuff like that. And obviously, you can read their copy. But the actual back-end search term field, only tool on the market that I know that can do that. Fantastic. Quick question. Do they do that for Europe? I believe they do, actually. Okay. Nice. Team, let's get on that. Uh, <laughs> that, that sounds great. Um, okay. All right. So, uh, so what I want to talk about, so you've grown from you know, 60 people in three years. Um, that you know, that rate is is a phenomenal amount of growth. So first of all, congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, so well done. Uh, we've seen a similar sort of progression. So what what is this? Is a slight off off the cuff uh, side piece, but obviously with that comes a whole load of pain and hassle of recruiting, finding office space. You know, are they are they um, are they in? A, have you got an office, or is everyone remote? How, how does how have you done that and managed to keep that in some form of? You know, here's the system, here's the process, here's what we're going to do because that's grief. Uh, 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 from coming from experience, it's a lot of grief, absolutely. Um, so I dumped a hundred thousand dollars into finishing my basement of my home, and it's a really nice environment. It was a corporate environment, if you will. Um, you know, like I made a kitchenette, all that good stuff. 
And, and so we fit in eight, maybe nine bodies at the max when we were first going. And then one day uh, the city marshal showed up and said, you know what? You can't, you can't run a business out of your house like this and have people parking in the cul-de-sac and your driveway. And I said, you know what? You're probably right. So he's like, you got until Friday to get everybody out. And I said, okay, no problem. So we went, we went remote out of being kicked out of my, my corporate environment. And this was, this was just after I just like put all the decorations up on the wall. Right. So I'm going to pan over here. So this is a, a really big art picture. And I put those all over my, my office and whatnot. And I was trying to build a nice literal company office environment. And I, the reason I did that is because I, I had like the employees going through the back door of the office and I put in stone steps and you know, I really did everything I could to make an actual corporate environment. Then I got kicked out. And so we went remote. We've been doing remote ever since. So I've been doing remote well before COVID hit, which was a huge, uh, quite frankly, uh, blessing for our business because, you know, as everybody knows, e-commerce grew a lot. And, and so I had the, I had the market time very well from being remote before everybody else and having to use project management software. You first start out and you start to use like Google sheets and then you outgrow that. And then you go to, you know, go to a, a project management software. We currently use Asana. We're looking at Hello Monday very closely right now. So we could have like the CRM, the PIM, the project management software all in one location um, and, and maybe potentially upgrading that. So, so yeah, very, very painful. I now have an international recruiter on staff. Um, half of our employees are international. We have employees in the Philippines, Romania, Turkey, Pakistan. I only ever actively looked for employees in, Philipp in the Philippines. The rest just kind of found me. Um, yeah. You know, I even have an employee in Mexico, uh, which which, by the way, that was the coolest hiring story ever. I, I went and did a webinar on AMZ Scout and basically was just talking about, you know, various things. And and I had a I had a question that I asked uh, to give away a free coaching session. And the, and the question was, is how many characters can an A plus content alt text possess? And, it, and the answer is 100. And so he was the first person to get it correct. And his name is Francisco. And so I gave him a free coaching session. And following that coaching session, you know, he was telling me a little about himself. And, uh, and, it's, and I was like, do you need a job, Francisco? And he's like, yeah. And, and I said, here you go. And like he started, he started at my company the next week. And so, <laughs> and so he's, he's down in Mexico. So, so we, we expanded. We had an international recruiter now. I have an HR recruiter in the United States. And we're constantly hiring people because of it. I love that. That's brilliant. Uh, you know, that, that whole remote piece has, has obviously happened. I mean, and almost actually for three years, you know, we've almost been going through this for 18 months, this whole COVID thing. You know, like 50% of the business has almost been during COVID. Like, you know, it's a phenomenal amount that's been going on so long. You sort of forget that piece almost. Um, so, well, maybe not 18 months. I mean, I, I mean, I barely leave my house. And quite frankly, even without COVID, it might be the same. Um, so a lot of, a lot of agencies, they show up to like conferences. I don't, I, I just put out YouTube content and let people come to me. Um, I even hired my father. He, he runs our sales funnel. Now his, his name is Dan Pope. And after he retired from being a weatherman, he joined my sales team. And so, you know, it's like the best job ever for a dad because he gets on the sales call and they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm a huge fan of Steven. I've watched 20 videos and 
this is the coolest thing ever. And you must be like the most proud father. And they spend like 10 minutes talking about that. And then they finally get into the actual pitch. But by that time, they're already sold. And it's it's an amazing sales process. And and so like the dopamine hits that my father gets on a daily basis, it, you know, it's not very often you hear from somebody who, who like loves doing sales, right? Yeah. Like, but yeah, when yeah. you when you have a funnel built this way, and you add value, and I kind of look at it as like the Gary V model, right? Like you go out and you give out all this free intel. I literally give every trade secret I possess publicly live, right? Yeah. And and then you know what? And if you can't handle all of the stresses of Amazon, come in and hire us. And that's 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 our value prop. And it freaking works. And it's I'm just really surprised it works. I, I did this before I knew Gary V even existed, but it very much is the Gary V model. Yeah, I love, uh, we well, I mean, hence why we've got you on our podcast, why we've yeah we do webinars, exactly the same model. We believe in that content first approach. Why not? You know, we're not hiding anything. So, you know, there's two ways of doing everything. Everyone, everyone, and we all know this, can learn everything on YouTube. It's whether you've got the time, the inclination to, to go and actually take action and make it happen. But actually, a lot of people want to fast track that process and say, hey, look, you know what you're doing. So why don't I pay you because you know what you're doing. So let's crack on and make it happen together. You got to pay your Amazon tax one way or another. So if you want to go watch a hundred podcasts, by all means, go do it. do it. They're available. Good luck trying to figure out which ones are good ones and which is the right information. Yes. <laughs> or you can hire the actual Amazon experts after you do your due diligence and, you know, maybe cut your, your go lifetime down considerably. Right. Like that's, that's why, um, why agencies exist uh, because they, they can take that and cut it more than in half, save you expenses, grow your sales. So let's talk about the agency itself. We haven't got to that piece yet. So I'm excited to hear about it. So give me a couple of things that, you know, a typical client would be using your services for. What does that look like? So the number one thing is basically, you know, grow the sales, right? And so when we first started chatting, you talked about the traffic and the conversion component. So I would say it's really easy to find uh, somebody to design listings, right? Really easy. You can go on Fiverr, you can go on the jungle market, whatever it might be. You can find somebody that can build an A plus content. What you can't find is somebody who can technically program that content with really good SEO. And, and so my, my claim to fame on the SEO front before my Amazon days, I took a website called appmix.com. And anybody listening to this right now, you can go on SEM rush or a Harris or whatever SEO tool of your choice is and type in appmex.com, American Precious Metals Exchange. And you can guess my hire date, it's so obvious. I increased their organic traffic, specifically organic, by 10 million uniques year over year. And, and so um, I took all that SEO knowledge and I translated it into Amazon. Um, and if and anybody listening to this really wants to get their SEO nerd stuff on, just just Google Ad Badger SEO, my Amazon guy. I did a four part series on our SEO phases that we run. And, and so there's a lot of SEO work that we do that we're best in class at that nobody even touches the surface, scratches the surface on. Um, the last comment I'll make on SEO is it's not set it and forget it. You wouldn't put up a $10,000 PPC campaign and then never iterate it. So I talked about 14% iteration, same concept applies to SEO. And so we run multiple phases where every one to two months, we update the SEO content of the listings to index for more keywords, to rank higher for more search terms. And so with that in mind, 
Um, I also think it's really easy to find an agency that does PPC. It's really easy to find an automated PPC tool. Uh, there's IntentWise, Quartile, uh, AdBadger, Helium 10. Like there's just countless, countless numbers of AI tools out there. Yeah. But it's very difficult to find a holistic agency that actually does everything that ties your PPC and SEO strategies together with your design and your catalog management. Right. So that's really where we have our bread and butter. Right. I think it's really easy to find a PPC and design agency. I think it's incredibly impossible to find a good troubleshooting catalog agency, let alone the SEO components that I talked about. And so that's really our bread and butter. Um, so we, we, you know, if you have a, a yanked listing, a suspended account, you need to change your brand name, you need to build parentage. These are the really dirty things that nobody likes to talk about. They're not sexy. They're not good podcast topics, Yeah, but, but they are literally the most important thing to do to run your business on a day-to-day -day basis. So template uploads, Excel sheets, and merchandising your product will make a massive impact on your business this year. Uh, yeah, and it's all those small little things that make a big difference. It's little little bits all the way through. Totally, totally agree. Um, I think that's absolutely critical. So a typical client, where are they based? So we're, we're primarily based in the U.S. Uh, I'd say about 92% U.S.com um, sales focus. Maybe the rest, 6-7% of that remainder is in the Europe area. Um, we have many European clients who sell in the U.S., um, or many clients that are doing well in the Europe and they want to turn over their U.S.-based strategy to a U.S.-based marketing agency. And that's kind of where we come in sometimes um, to run the .com, um, Amazon.com, that is. Um, but but what's what I've really seen a big trend uptick, though, is that there's a lot of uh, international members, regardless of where they're located in the world, flocking to sell on Amazon, specifically the U.S. market first. And then they go to Canada and then they go to UK and Germany and so forth. Um, big audience in Australia and New Zealand, um, big time over there. And we're seeing a lot of upcoming tools and audiences in that spectrum. Um, but the thing that really I think people need to be cautious of, um, so the Chinese sellers, they're going to direct to consumer for the first time. And we've seen more uptick in price, um, price pressure coming in from the left on the Chinese because they're selling direct to consumer without any intermediate parties. So if you're today selling a lookalike product where it's very easy to duplicate, the Chinese are going to crush you inevitably in the next couple of years. Adding to that pressure is coming in from the right is the Amazon aggregator. Those are the guys acquiring 100 FBA brands and they're rolling them up. So the most famous, of course, is called Thrasio. There's Heyday and there's Joint Branded and many other good ones out there. Um, they're going to increase your pressure from the competitive landscape on the right. And then finally, with Amazon's policies kind of pressing down on you, it may feel like as an Amazon seller, you're getting pressure from the left on the pricing, pressure on the right from the competition, and then Amazon's policy and maturity of the landscape pressing down. So it can be very difficult as an Amazon seller trying to navigate all that. And we're trying to, um, that's kind of our strike zone client is, is the retailer, the manufacturer who is trying to weave and dodge, trying not to get hit from the pricing pressures from the Chinese. They don't want to sell their brand to an aggregator because they're still complex enough that they want to compete. Uh, but many, many brands are not willing to put up with the complex ecosystem that I just described. And for them, an easy out is to sell. 
But for those that want to strive forward, you're going to have to up your game. There's no question about it. This concept of hashtag passive Amazon income no longer exists. You got to run an actual business nowadays because you have all these pressures coming in. Yeah, I think that we're seeing more and more of that, certainly in Europe, where sellers have made $50,000 on one product in the US and then they want to expand to Europe. And quite honestly, they're just not good enough and sell enough to be able to make that work, both in time or in, 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 in profit. It just, it just won't work. And we're seeing exactly the same here. Although in Europe, we've seen probably a 20% hike in prices this year based on marketplaces taking the VAT and giving it directly to the government. So those sellers you've, you've talked about coming in from the left, you know, who weren't necessarily paying the VAT are now paying the VAT because the marketplace is taking it for them. Almost 20% price increase on a lot of products, specifically the products you described there, exactly that. So is that where you see the biggest change happening over the next sort of six months, those maybe 12 months in those two areas? I mean, there's lots of aggregators. I mean, they're, they're coming thick and fast. There's obviously, I think I get a new one approaching me every week. Yeah. Um, I have interviewed 30 aggregators myself. Um, so I'm very close to the pulse of what they're trying to do. Um, for anybody listening to this, if you're curious, you want to see a full list of every Amazon aggregator, type in amazonaggregators.com. I put together this list. I'm sure Andy can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh, every aggregator is trying to do something different. There's a lot of common trends. Um, they're trying to buy hero SKUs. They don't want to touch supplements. They don't want anything seasonal. They want low SKU accounts. Um, that's the big trends that I've personally seen. Um, very seldomly does an aggregator want to buy um, anything that doesn't meet those criteria. There is one aggregator that's chasing supplements, but they're very rare. Um, so I think that that's the biggest um, talking point of the year is $3.2 billion that I've personally documented coming into the Amazon space to buy business businesses. Um, I think that after the aggregators um, do their thing here in the next one to two years, we're going to see private equity follow suit. And then after private equity, we'll see public sector. And so that's the next five years, in my opinion, simultaneous to that, you've got Chinese sellers going direct to consumer lowering prices. So if you want my advice on what to do to keep your business strategized, you need to um, up your game manufacture local and make sure you have a community behind your product. So what do I mean by community? I don't just mean having a Facebook group. I mean, actual real community. So build, building out content surrounding what you do. So for example, if, if I, you know, this, this is my favorite example to share. It's a little weird, bear with me. Um, but if I was going to sell Russian mail order brides, online. The number one target demographic for Russian mail order brides is three-time divorced truck drivers. And the best way to target three-time divorced truck drivers is to build a community around their problems. And so you would put out content around what it's like to, you know, uh, solve for their problems and their constraints. You're always on the road. You're always, you're, you're going to be putting your content into trucking magazines, right? And like we could go super deep into that well of, of uh, weirdness. But in any case, um, knowing who your customer is has never been more important. You also need to polarize your audience. I don't think anybody on the web talks about this like I do. 
But, but what I mean by polarize your audience is you need to push away your non-customers and you need to identify your true fan, your cult, and go build a cult for your community and then give them everything that that cult has ever dreamed of in one location. And I think my Amazon guy is a great case example of this. Everybody who sells on Amazon is frustrated by the process. Amazon does really good for customers, but has the most awful seller support known to man. I put out my favorite thumbnail I've ever created where I am praying to Jeff Bezos, God. And, and like, it's, it's, quite, it's quite sacrilegious. And I'm a very, I'm a devout Christian just for the record. But the, but the, the reason why I like the thumbnail so much is because it symbolizes the entire ecosystem in one shot. If you're an Amazon seller, it feels like you are praying to the Amazon gods, Jeff Bezos, to actually allow you to function as a business right now. Yes. And so as a result of that, I've done everything in my power to help make it easier to sell on Amazon. And there, for every one customer that I have, I've probably helped another 500 others who will never pay me a dime. As, as one short example of this, Amazon came out with a pesticides gating test that you had to pass to sell in certain products or categories on Amazon. Now, mind you, the first time that I took this test was to help one of my clients that sells tweezers. Tweezers, not pesticides, not anything even remotely close to pesticides. Yeah. It wasn't a food, didn't go on your body. It was a metal item called you know, tweezers. And I was livid. I was pissed. I was like, I, I fought this for like 20 tickets and I was like, this is stupid. Why are you making me do this? And then one morning, it was a Saturday morning, and I, I remember that morning quite well. I was like, you know, I'm just going to go learn everything I can about pesticides. I'm going to pass this damn test. And I did. And then it was like less than 10 days later that this happened to five of my other accounts. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm putting together an answer key and I'm releasing it because there's these stupid hurdles that Amazon sellers have to go through. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I do everything I can to help reduce that. And, and to this day, I've only actually helped one person who actually sells pesticides pass the test. And for everybody else, I just give the answer key in one minute. So if you're curious, if it runs into you, you know, just Google my Amazon guy pesticides, you'll get the answer key right there. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. And I think that that content piece is absolutely critical. We've, we've tried to do so much of that. Um, you know, just put the content out there and let people know what it's like. You know, people have so many questions about expanding to Europe that you know they just don't know the answers. Like it's why we put everything under one roof in the end because it was just too difficult. You expand to Europe, you need someone for your VAT, someone for your shipping, someone for your um, free for your warehousing, someone for your translation, someone for your compliance. Like just put it all under one roof. You just go go one person, make it easy, right? And then and then throw a Brexit in. Sorry. And then throw Brexit in too. And then, yeah. Yeah. Just to give you a few extra headaches. <laughs> and you got to store your stuff in two locations, not just one. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so, exactly. We got a warehouse in Netherlands, Germany, France, you know, UK. It just keeps going on and on and on. Um, it, it's quite difficult. Um, and, and I, and I got to say, you know, there is a business model to niche within the Amazon ecosystem. Like there's, there's services out there where all they do is like ungate people's accounts right yeah. like that's how that's how complicated it has become and so it's very easy for you to niche on on the euro market because that service is in super high demand right because there's all the people who've done well in the states and you're like what else can i do well 
talk to Andy and go launch in Europe and he'll make sure you don't make the $10,000 mistake that everybody else makes. That, that is exactly it because everyone just wants to fast track that and actually you can listen to all of our podcasts and all of our webinars and quite honestly you'll get the same answer that's already out there um you've just got to go and dig through it like it's as simple as that we've got the six-step guide like everything's written there like it, it's easy you just need the services to plug in anyway uh so uh so that's that that's amazing now if people want to get in contact with you Stephen, and people want to get in touch they want to talk about how they can improve their sales What's the best way of people doing that? I have built my community on YouTube specifically. Just go to youtube.com slash my Amazon guide. And any question that you post in a comment section there, I read every single one of them. You're also welcome to send me an email at podcast at my Amazon But I prefer the open communication on my channel. It allows others to engage in it as well. Um, and then if, you know, if you're, if you're launching in the U S market, you need help running your sales to grow them. Check us out at myamazonguy.com. Maybe we'll get on a phone call with my my dad, Dan Pope, and he'll talk to you about our services. Um, I love that. Your dad's on there. I think that's brilliant. I, 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 it was a great fit. It, it And my dad's never been happier. Like, you know, working in the television industry when it's like a dying beast. And then he he left that. And it's way more fun to be in the elevator going up totally. than in the elevator going down. And so for all of you listening, you guys are in the elevator going up. The problem that you have is which floor do you get off of? So hopefully we can help in the meantime. <laughs> no, don't get off. Don't check out. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, to the moon, right? To exactly the moon. that. Exactly that. Uh, so, uh, Stephen, uh, it's been absolutely amazing having you on. I absolutely uh, applaud you for everything you've done, everything you're doing for the Amazon community, uh, supporting sellers, and uh, basically you congratulations on such an amazing business as well so thank you very much yeah i mean it's not me against you it's not amazon seller a against amazon seller b it's all of us against jeff bezos as far as i'm concerned so hey, I, I i don't even look at it like that i i think he's created an amazing platform that that everyone's able to um get into and get involved in many of us have have made an ecosystem help build out that ecosystem to make that work yes we would love seller support to be better like, I think that's our one plea with everybody, isn't it? That seller support, please be better. Um, but outside that, yeah, yeah, outside of that, um, the good news is, is that Stephen's got a YouTube video on every single thing that you need to contact seller support at to get a standard stock answer of, I'm afraid, let me just check to see if I understand this correctly um, and get the standard stock. Here's, here's the copy and paste answer that's not applicable for the 70th time. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then like restock limits come out and you're like, oh, great. Now I can send my SKUs in. Oh, wait, now they have storage limitations. Yeah. yeah. Good luck trying to dissect all of that. It's a, it's a pain. Well, Andy, thanks for having me come on your podcast. I really appreciate it. No problem. I absolutely appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You take care and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. All right. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Bye.